these very intense memories of his childhood in Cambrai. And one part of that section, which is, it's so beautifully written, um, but one part of the section really struck me, which is where Marcel talks about how he'd seen these cookies in bakeries all across Paris many times. These were very popular cookies and never remembered anything. It wasn't until he put the cookie in his mouth mm. by taste and smell alone, Marcel says, that the memories came flooding back to him. And suddenly... The memory returns. The taste was that of the little crumb of Madeleine, which on Sunday mornings at Cambrai, because on those mornings I did not go out before church time, when I went in to say good day to her in her bedroom, my Aunt Leonie used to give me, dipping it first in her own cup of real or of lime flower tea. The sight of the little Madeleine had recalled nothing to my mind before I tasted it, perhaps because I had so often seen such things in the interval without tasting them on the trays in pastrycooks' windows that their image had dissociated itself from those Cambrai days to take its place among others more recent. Perhaps because of those memories, so long abandoned and put out of mind, nothing now survived, everything was scattered. The forms of things, including that of the little scallop shell of pastry, so richly sensual under its severe religious folds, were either obliterated or had been so long dormant as to have lost the power of expansion which would have allowed them to resume their place in my consciousness. And I think that really does capture something very interesting about how our brain is wired and the fact that smell and taste really are our most nostalgic senses. And then scientists have discovered this yeah. decades after Proust himself wrote about this. Decades after. It wasn't until the 1950s where you had, for the first time, people tracing out the wires of our senses. And they found that, sure enough, our sense of smell and taste is represented by the olfactory cortex. That's a part of the brain that processes smell and taste. It's the only sense directly connected to the hippocampus, which is the center of long-term memory. All our other senses go somewhere else first and then go to the hippocampus. So that's why smells and tastes really are our most primal connection to the past. And I think that's something Proust intuited simply by lying there in his bed and, and thinking about how his memory worked. Now, the other insight that Proust seemed to come up with is realizing how unreliable memory is, that, you know, we think we have this direct recording of what happened, but usually we don't. In fact, maybe we never do. When you first read In Search of Lost Time, it, it's one of these peculiar themes that keeps on popping up. Here's a novel about this guy's memory, and yet he keeps on reminding you not to believe him. He keeps on reminding you memories are fraudulent, and, and that the act of remembering a memory changes the memory, so you really shouldn't believe me because I'm writing about it, so <laughs> Lord knows how inaccurate these memories are. And it becomes this very consistent theme that emerges from the novel, the idea of our memories are very mutable, they change in the telling, and that the more we remember a memory, the more it changes. That's also why Proust was so obsessed with these moments of unconscious recollection, these memories that came out of the blue, like the memories of his childhood from the cookie, because he, he thought these memories were more pristine, that they were somehow more accurate because he never remembered them before. He assumed they were lost, and yet here they were, so maybe this is actually a true memory. It's almost as if the first memory is going to be more accurate than yeah. later memories, which are sort of copies of earlier memories. Yeah, that was absolutely Proust's theory. And I think there's been a lot of scientific evidence in the last decade or so. This is called reconsolidation theory to back this up. And the idea is that every time we remember a memory, the memory itself changes. The neural representation of that memory, the specific set of cells that define this memory in your brain, that they actually change a little bit. They change the margin. So maybe the details change. It's a pretty subtle scientific idea, but I think it's got pretty big implications for how we think about our memory. The idea is that our 
memories are a bit like one of those old photographs that we look at a lot. And, mm-hmm. and every time we pick it up, we leave a fingerprint or two on it. And before long, the the picture itself is virtually unrecognizable. It's just, it just covered in the grease of our fingertips. Hmm. Now, the larger point you make in your book, Proust was a neuroscientist, is that all kinds of artists, writers, musicians, painters, have had key insights into how the mind works, often way before any scientist was able to to actually pinpoint these things. That's the audacious idea. And the idea really did begin with Proust. I was working in a neuroscience lab that was studying the chemistry of memory and reading Proust, and I thought, well, here's this guy who's who seems to know an awful lot about modern neuroscience. That's where I first got the idea. But yeah, I mean, I've got everyone from Walt Whitman to Virginia Woolf. I think one of the larger themes I wanted to get in the book was this idea that that art isn't just about making pretty things or telling pretty fanciful stories. It's not just about entertaining us, but that art actually reveals something very essential about the human